Hey guys, it's Joe Solo today. Rhea is otherwise indisposed. Let's face it, she's crazy busy being uh, the host of this podcast, the CEO of our company, a multi-published author, and a mom. Um, so she had shit to do. But that means that I got to sit down one-on-one -on -one today with one of our favorite guests, favorite industry professionals, favorite, like downright favorite people, uh, Linda Bouchard. And if you recall uh, her first appearance on the Right Way podcast, uh, you might remember that she's the founder of the PR firm Booking Authors Inc. that uh, works exclusively, is geared towards Southern authors and the Southern uh, book marketplace. She is, it is the go-to resource for Southern book tours. Um, and she's really carved out an unbelievable niche for herself. She's an absolute marketing and publicity whiz. Um, she thinks outside the box. And most importantly, she's just such an advocate of uh, writers, writing books, and the creative process. You will not talk to someone or hear from someone who loves this stuff uh, as much as Linda, which delights me uh, to then tell you that she's on the podcast today to talk about the release of her first book, her new book, um, a absolute delightful, interactive, spirited, illustrated Halloween tale, a children, a book for children of all ages called The Witches Three Count on Me. Um, it's available at uh, online uh, on our website at bookingauthorsinc.com. We will link to that in the show notes. And as well, um, Linda uh, would want me to tell you that it's also available at all your favorite independent bookstores. Um, so as we always say on the Right Way podcast, and as Linda always says, go to your independent bookstores. Um, I'm so excited to drop this episode on you today, to drop this conversation on, on you today. Um, she's just, Linda's just the best. And um, we're so happy to have her on a second time. Um, without further ado, here is the incomparable Linda Bouchard. Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Of course, of course. Linda, I mean, I'm so, I'm just so happy that you're back. I feel also, I do feel bad that Rhea's not here because I feel a little bit spoiled having this moment all to, uh, having you all to myself right now. <laughs> oh, wow. You are so sweet. Well, yes. And it's always good to have Rhea in the mix. Of course. But it's, it's a pleasure to be with you again, Joe. I am telling you the patron saint of publishing. That's what we call you. So you are uh, just, I mean, uh, and like I said, for our listeners, we're going to link back to our, our past interview. You, you took uh, a great amount of time to sit and talk with us about your company, Booking Authors Inc. And just for a refresher, can you talk a little bit about your story um, how you got into your line of work and, and, and putting together Booking Authors, Inc. And then we'll talk about this, the new and fabulous news that you have. Yes, of course, I'm happy to. And Great. my company, 
Booking Authors Inc. with a K, okay. uh, was founded over two decades ago after uh, my previous life as a flight attendant for a major airline. And I left after 9-11. It was time and formed Booking Authors Inc., which is a boutique marketing firm, and it's dedicated specifically, Joe, to Southern writers. Because when I was flying, I saw a void. I talked with lots of authors who were passengers on my flights. Yeah. And um, they, uh, there was a common thread through every conversation, and that was New York publishing houses didn't send their authors to the South, nor did they understand the South. And as we know, Southerners are great readers. Oh my, so, great readers and great writers. It's so ab wild. Absolutely, yes, indeed. And so I found a void that needed to be filled. So a light bulb went off in my head. And so on my days off from flying, um, uh, you know, I pitched myself, first of all, to all the major five publishing companies and said, hey, um, you know, what do you think about this crazy idea of, you know, helping you book authors here in the South and get the media and signing events and all that great stuff? And they loved it. I love it. And so the detour became the main road. Um, after I left flying, I just increased um, what I did and um, did more and added more and more components to it. So now it's a full service agency. Well, and truly, and, and I, I think, um, you know, for a lot of our uh, uh, um, listeners that are writers who are taking uh, independent hybrid routes, I think, uh, who are very interested in, in what um, publicists and PR is and what, what, it, what that does for authors and for for books sold and books books moving off the shelves we did we had an excellent conversation about it and you actually um we we talked about about that at length uh in in that episode so i, I i'm encouraging everybody to take a listen to that as well to get kind of the full understanding of the service that a publicist and and pr provides uh writers and what it can do and um it really was a spectacularly informative, informative conversation. Now, of course, since you're tireless and you are no stranger to, and you're, I mean, you're no stranger to like creating content as well. You have a wonderful podcast, Literary Latte. Um, you have now also gone and decided to write also, and you have a book. I'm so excited. And a children's book, no less and a children's Halloween book, which is, uh, I'm so excited about. I cannot wait to get my, my hands on one myself. Well, thank you for that, um, Joe. And well, I call myself an accidental author <laughs> because- Well, talk about that. I'm so curious to hear about the process of you even getting into it. Cause you know, I'm sure you're busy and, uh, I'm so intrigued by how the how it struck you. Well, um, as a publicist, um, I have been quite content on this side of the fence, um, and um, because I know the huge Sisyphean effort it takes to become 
an author mm -hmm. and all that goes into that. So I have been quite happy <laughs> <laughs> on the publicist side, but an unfinished manuscript that my late husband left behind changed all that. Um, I wanted to honor him in the completing of it. And he was an award-winning broadcaster, voice actor, mm -hmm. and advertising creative director, um, Yates Davis. Um, as you, if you look at the cover of it, his name is also there. Yeah. And um, the main impetus in writing this book was to honor him. So, um, and, you know, writers have always been my heroes, Joe. And Yates was a very special kind of hero. Well, and um, truly, it show, I mean, it, it just shines through in your work as a publicist. And again, I recall our previous conversation and you, you laud and applaud the creative process. And I, I think there's, no, there's nobody else probably that should be writing a book than you, honestly. Oh, well, you know, this was a great creative journey for me. Yeah. Um, and I have my husband to thank for that. Um, he, I learned so much from him. Um, as um, we were both uh, collaborative, creative partners throughout our careers, and we always supported each other yeah. in our work. Um, so, and I learned a great deal from him. And so a lot of, I, I still, he still informs me yeah. <laughs> in my, in sure. my head sure. um, creatively. So I, I have him to thank for that. And, you know, it was a great parting gift, mm -hmm. this unfinished manuscript, because it made me an author. Oh, that's amazing. Can I ask, is it so, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll talk about the book itself in a second, but the, that idea um, of this unfinished manuscript being left behind and it being something that you wanted to, to finish as, as this token to him, was that, was that always there or, or was there some time in between where you were considering some other options and then decided to take it on yourself or what how did that how did that happen exactly what was the what was the timeline of that of of getting to the point because like you said even getting to the point of saying i'm going to do this whether it's i'm going to finish this unfinished manuscript or i'm going to start this new manuscript uh, what what led you to that to the moment to the light bulb moment well, this was a story, first of all, that he poured himself into, and he wrote much of it during his final year. Mm -hmm. uh, with, and it was clear to me how healing the process of writing was for him. So I felt a great responsibility to get it right. Yeah. But yeah. we talked about, as it was called at the time, the Halloween story, we talked about it a lot. Mm -hmm. He actually began it as a um, challenge from his nephew to write whose favorite holiday was Halloween. And he asked Yates to write him something scary about witches and poisonous stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and Yates took the challenge um, with great enthusiasm. Um, but then um, 
you know, life takes over and um, children grow up much faster than books are written. Oh, it turns no out. truer, no truer and, thing was ever said. That is, it's, it is a, an investment of, of great time. That's true. Right. And, you know, he had a full uh, broadcasting career and then he was a creative director at an ad agency. And so his life was full and busy and it, it got tucked away into a drawer and he'd take it out every now and then and tinker with it. But um, when he was diagnosed with cancer, there was that sense of urgency to complete the story and fulfill his promise to his nephew. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it really speaks to um, the, the healing power of stories mm -hmm. and stories as medicine. Uh, to me, I think sometimes we need a story more than food to survive. Mm -hmm. And as you know, writing is always a process of self-discovery. And it's how we come to understand ourselves in the world. And perhaps the strongest bonds we have with each other are through our stories. And Yeats' story empowered me to move forward. Oh, incredible. The book is called... The Witches Three and count, count on me. Count, the Witches Three count on me. And uh, so, can you talk to us a little bit about the process of getting into the unfinished manuscript itself and what self discoveries you made uh, along the way? Mm, well, this book is so full of meaning to me on several levels. I, what a, what a wait! What a what an incredible truly. Uh, the book has uh, its own legacy already, which is is quite something. Yes, um, it is. Um, you know, it has so many layers of um, meaning, <laughs> at least yeah. for me. And yeah. um, I'm it's something I'm very proud of. And I think Yates would be, too. But this manuscript was rather like a love letter, as though Yates were courting me all over again. When I went through it, Joe, it was just so I, it was emotional. Um, and as I said, it was a lifeline that yeah pointed me forward as well. It was a slow simmer. Uh -huh. it, it, mar it marinated in my mind for quite some time because at the beginning it, it was still raw and Yates had a lot of handwritten notes in the margin. And as she, I'm not sure if you know or, or feel this the way I do, but handwriting is powerful. Handwriting is so emotional mm -hmm. and it tells how you know somebody that is not is is weaker you know what i mean or you what's can going almost on see the experience in the in the yes. artifact itself yeah perfectly put oh. yes so um it um it was hard for me at the beginning so that's why it, it sort of marinated there for a well, long you, time and you did you feel you had to take your time a little because simultaneously what an undertaking and what a treat, but also what an emotional journey for you to kind of go through all that to, you know, because I, you know, and I don't want to assume anything, but obviously even reading probably just like set off memories and, um, you know, experiences. I, I'm, 
I'm kind of blown away at the bravery of, of even embarking on it on your part. It's very well, courageous. Well, I, I thank you for that. And I think any writing, every, I think every writer is courageous um, because you're putting your soul out there on the page. And that's what, that's one of the self-discoveries I found. And I, we can talk about that. Yeah. But, um, you know, my business, I had a business too, and I did need that emotional distance in order to look at it more objectively yes. and do a proper job with the editing of it and the completing of it because it was so um, it, a lot of loose ends. It wasn't a complete story, really. Um, I I had to bring it together, so I hired um, a couple of editors, and um, you know we went through it very with a fine tooth comb. But you know my business was growing as well. I had a full stable of clients. But you know what, Joe? The pandemic refocused me, and I put I pushed pause on my business. Yeah. And, and got busy. Um, but I also learned, you know, this light, this book has changed my life in so many ways, because I've learned that once you become an author, you achieve immortality by proxy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I want that on a t-shirt. So <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there, there was so much, um, you know, I, even though I've been in this business for a couple of decades, I'd never been on the author side of the fence. So it was a real learning curve yeah, for me. Yeah. Did you um, find the two, like the two, not, I don't know, the two minds, like, did they have to kind of reach an agreement? Because I'm sure on one hand, you were thinking about it in terms, so much in terms of did you have to quiet the publicist down every now and again to, uh, <laughs> so that you could write and then simultaneously, like maybe sometimes the writer, the writer mind gets, I think, ahead of itself in certain ways where the publicist mind has to come in and say like, now, 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 let's one thing at a time, one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you know me so well. <laughs> that is, oh my gosh, it's amazing how I always have the marketing component like you know front and center um because I love to dig and I love research well and you and, also are very uh, you know we've talked about some of the clients you worked with you 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 very much are about thinking you know as you put it thinking outside the book but thinking outside the box in terms of 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 marketing marketing the book so I'm sure as you're trying to write this thing, your, your professional mind is going, well, we could do this and we could do this and we could do this. And I, 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 I can't imagine trying to reconcile the two. Well, that's where mental archery came in. I had to really stay focused and yeah. keep the goal in mind. Yeah. And of course, um, you know, I did, I, I, so I, disciplined myself <laughs> to you know some days were complete writing and rewriting and then other days were the marketing component and um they were both so energizing and wow it, i think it's it, writing a book has made me a better publicist 
because, you know, I make my living competing in the arena of ideas. And so my, my goal is always to be different and distinctive. And I brought that to the mindset of the witches three count on me. Um, You know, it's been an amazing ride, um, Mm -hmm. because there were so many moving parts But I found that, wow, the vulnerability of putting your work out there Mm -hmm. and being exposed to criticism was something I didn't understand as well as I thought I would. Oh, can you talk a little bit about that? That's interesting. What what do you mean you didn't understand it as as well as maybe you thought you did? Well, you know, I've been working with and, you know, working closely with authors Mm -hmm. for all these years and um, really empathized with the agony that that I go through, Mm -hmm. uh, that they went through rather, and they share with me. Mm -hmm. And I thought I understood that, but being vulnerable and taking criticism was it being judged um uh, not always favorably was really interesting for me i mean come on i'm a publicist i have thick skin (laughs) yeah Yeah. but also i mean to consider like not only the fact that you you wrote um, and published a book that you that you'd worked ceaselessly and tirelessly on but then to sort of add to the mix what the book meant, um, particularly to you. I, I also, again, I have to applaud your courage at opening yourself up to that kind of like mainstream response to something that was so pers- deeply personal for you. Well, I, yes, I, I, it was like they were, um, it was kind of twofold because it was like, wow, you know, I, they, they were kind of slamming Yates's work as well, because I did do early reviews mm-hmm. because I wanted to get that feedback for the marketing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get that feedback and correct it. And one thing I, I, you know, want, um, I'm not sure if you know, but I self-published this book. Yeah. So I had the luxury of printing it, seeing a hard copy, seeing where I could improve because it looks different digitally than Mm -hmm. it does being held. Mm -hmm. And so, and then when I got those early reviews back and especially the ones that weren't quite so favorable, I tweaked the book again. So you know, I wanted to make it great. Um, But yes, that was the probably the most surprising part to me. Um, And my empathy for what my clients go through is much deeper now it shifted from theory to reality. So officially, now you're a better publicist and a better writer. So you're unstoppable, basically. (laughs) Yes. Um, and, and it's interesting that you brought up uh, what, I mean, aside from that kind of ability to have a great deal of control over not only the presentation of the book itself, but kind of the steps leading up to release, what, what kind of, what made you decide on self-publishing officially, or was that kind of your first 
choice on course of action or how did you, how, how were you assessing your path to publishing for this book? Well, I decide, I always knew that I would self-publish because I wanted to retain full creative right. control right. over the book. That was my number one reason. And I can't tell you the number of traditionally published authors who have shared their disappointments with me about uh, working with a big five. I'm, it's, what we're, it's what we're hearing across the board here as well, honestly. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's so common mm -hmm. that uh, the publishers won't listen to their creative input. Mm -hmm. They don't do a, they don't do a lot of marketing. They, they have to do their own anyway. And it pains me because a book is the tangible result of something far more important than money. It's the result of courage. Yeah. And, um, you know, the writings about you, the mm -hmm. writer, the mm -hmm. publishing is about the book mm -hmm. and the marketing is about the reader. So I, that's why I wanted to self-publish because I wanted the reader to have a great experience. And also because of that creative control, um, the cover is something I worked very hard on with my illustrator, Cody Kratzer, mm -hmm. who I just adore. We had the same creative sensibilities. So we want, I mean, I wanted a wonderful cover because it's the number one thing in marketing besides the title. Yeah, yeah. And so typically with a publishing company, a traditional publishing company, the illustrator is matched with the author and they never meet. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it was never a consideration of mine to traditionally publish. And this book had lingered for so long, it being self-published, it, it would get out there more quickly. Well, and something a little too precious to just hand over to somebody else and, and for them to make, you know, what they would consider their own best choices and um i it seems like that was absolutely the right thing to do um on the note of working with your illustrator how uh what a fantastic collaborative process that must, must have been can you talk a little bit about about that about working with with cody well cody uh, and i had absolutely the same work ethic and mm -hmm. creative sensibilities and um I interviewed a few uh, illustrators, but um, she and I were simpatico on the right things. And um, I just loved, it was a joy working with her. And one of my main jobs as a writer was to set Cody up for success because it's essential to have a happy marriage between the text and the images. Yeah. And this was one of the things that I learned, uh, as well as the placement of words on the page. Ideally, the word should enhance the illustrations rather than detract from it. Mm -hmm. um, so not every part of the text needs to be illustrated. And sometimes the pictures fill in where the story can't. 
Uh, so. And I, th I think it's wonderful, by the way, on your website, on the Booking Authors Inc. website, uh, if, if, and we'll include a hyperlink to that as well, of course. So if, uh, if any of you listening go uh, uh, to the Booking Authors Inc. website, you can, uh, there's a drop down menu where you can uh, read about um, uh, the book. And you've been generous enough to kind of include like kind of like let us in on the process of working with Cody a little bit and include some, not only uh, some of the, the finished renderings, but some of the early, the first sketches as well, which is, it's so fun to see that, you oh. know, yeah, to be able to kind of like get a, get, get a view into that, what that process was like. Oh, wow. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, because I, yeah, I wanted to share that with everyone because it, it was, I mean, we went through so many iterations yeah. of changes and that goes back to the early reviews. If I got something that I found, you know, all of them were constructive. And so I would go back and tweak the uh, text and then mm -hmm. therefore Cody would have to tweak the illustrations oh. <laughs> where, ne where needed. So it, People think it's easy to write it. I mean, I really, book, I was just going to say that exactly. <laughs> I'm like this, I mean, if for anybody that thought you could just like knock out a children's book, like, sorry, that is not the case. <laughs> right. Absolutely not. Because um, I was talking with Mary Alice Monroe, who also writes wonderful children's books. And she said, Linda, people are so misled thinking it's easy to write a children's book. She said, it takes me longer to write those than it does my 300 page novels. Oh my gosh. Because every single word has to count and has to mean something and has to fit perfectly. And, um, you know, I used, I call it walking the plank, um, deciding what words advanced the story. <laughs> and if they didn't advance it or, you know, add to the story. I pushed it off the plane. <laughs> Interesting. Um, you know, I, so I love that. I love that term. I love out <laughs> to sea with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I edited. I ho continually hovered over the editing button. And well, well, I'm curious. Like the consideration of audience also becomes totally mm -hmm. what a what a massive shift that uh, a, a writer has to, has to undergo to write for children. What is the, is there kind of a target age group for, did you have a target age group in mind for the book? You know, I didn't, but the story, this is what happened. Um, the story and Yates loved to use big, juicy words mm. and he didn't want to pander to children he wanted to raise the bar with the yeah. language yeah rather than make it just simplistic so i kept those big words in the text or some of them and so it is not like a picture book for toddlers it's for early readers ages five through nine love it so really the text determined that, um, yeah, but what, speaking of audiences, uh, let's keep in mind that um, the adults 
are who buy the books. Well, well, so that's the pride. The parents are the primary audience. What a great point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So absolutely. They decide what which books get to be read. So you're kind of dealing with two audiences. Also in the marketing of it, you're dealing with storylines and themes that appeal to adults so they can teach their children these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And there are themes of bravery in here and thinking differently and, um, you know, having, you know, discovering that you can do extraordinary things. Mm -hmm. So all those themes are in here. Um, so yeah, you're kind of dealing with those two audiences, but uh, the parents are the decision makers. Absolutely. And then, and then the more, the more the kids love to read it, obviously, then parents tell their, their friends to buy for their kids. What a, what an interesting game that is to play. I, 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 I hadn't, of course, thought, thought of it like that, that the person chucking out the dollars is mom or dad. Right, exactly. But just think of this too, Joe, um, that, you know, they're just as much for adults as they are for children. Yeah. In fact, I read children's books all the time. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites is the Velveteen Rabbit. That is just amazing. But the best children's stories always have something to say to grown-ups. Relation and reson and resonance, abs uh, absolutely. And uh, and you know, those are still those themes that appeal to adults. Those those are themes that aren't lost on children too. And I love what you said uh, about your husband not wanting to to pander. And I think it's not about us pandering, but there's this misperception that we have to pander to kids and we totally underestimate them because at, when the reality is they're getting way more, I mean, we love, culturally, we oftentimes just love to underestimate anyway. So it's, it's, that's so cool to hear that it was like, no, we're gonna give them a great story. We're gonna, we're gonna have faith in their interest and their intellect and their understanding um, that's very reassuring to me, <laughs> that idea, uh, because I think we need to do that. But as I think writers, publishers across the board need to do that, not, not just for young audiences, but just all audiences, um, because we have a tendency to underestimate across the range of readership demographics. Uh, yes. And, you know, um, Yates was always about um, learning and um, I mean being with him was um, an amazing adventure every day but he uh, you know he he had a vocabulary that um, was off the charts and he wanted to, sh to share that with children and I, it's a teachable uh, there are so many teachable moments in the book because you know it makes children run to their dictionary. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a positive. Um, let's make pe let's make words special. I, I think we've gotten away from valuing language yeah. in our, um, you know, ever on device age. <laughs> <laughs> and valuing, and I think we, we don't value even learning or the idea of growth, or I think we, we oftentimes approach an endeavor 
whether it be writing a book or reading a book as though we're somehow supposed to already know instead of letting it be kind of wonderful what we don't know. And I, mm -hmm. I, I often, I, I mean, I love the idea of sitting with a book and a dictionary. I, I mean, you know, it's you, that, that way you walk away and you've got a kind of mm -hmm. a, a greater understanding of things, a greater, uh, you've risen to a challenge. And yeah, I think that's really, really wonderful. I, I, I'm, I'm so curious about how you've right. chosen to, or any kind of ways that you've, you're choosing to market the book itself. What, like it being kind of a, it sounds like there's, like you said, so many layers, so many moving parts. And like we've said, and just thank you so much again for, for sharing this, the fact that it's such a close and kind of intimate personal book for you. What was your course of action for, for the marketing from, from the, for the publicity uh, from that, from that angle? Uh, right. Well, you know, there were so many considerations in that, um, of course, Yates has, uh, you know, so many, had so many contacts in the broadcasting realm. In fact, one of the quotes uh, in the preface of the book is, works for PBS, hmm. and he's an executive director, and he gave a great testimonial. So I started with, you know, I, the part of the uh, marketing was getting testimonials from all these wonderful authors I've worked with over the years to add credibility uh, to the book, because yeah. it's, after all, it's my first one. And so that bolstered the um, underpinnings of the book. But then outside of that, uh, I just, you know, the podcast and started, I, I walk the walk, I started mm -hmm. low, I started locally. And um, newspaper reviews, I'm my hometown in Vermont, where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, their bookstore yeah. was one of the first ones to say, yes, we will carry this. And the newspaper wrote about, is going to write about it and do a feature article. So all of these things, and also Joe using my backstory and using my airline story. And mm -hmm. I've booked myself on podcasts, aviation podcasts to, awesome. talk, about, to talk about that and yeah. how, how books and travel are alike that they're portable dreams oh. and um you know using my backstory for the story of reinvention i had mm -hmm. to reinvent myself after i left the flying world so doing the sub layers of my story is uh helping in that aspect of the marketing. I, I also have to say, and this is on your website as well, I love that you have testimonials from young readers. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it, they are unfiltered and they are the toughest critics. <laughs> there is no truth like the truth of a seven-year-old. I'm telling they, you. They were my beta readers. <laughs> oh, so wonderful. I mean, it really, it's really great. And I, and yeah, I feel like if a seven-year-old is like, this book is awesome. I'm like, 
I need to read that book. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. They were the most special uh, testimonials to me, the ones from the kids. Oh, I bet. Um, can you talk a little bit, obviously we don't want to give anything away, but can you talk a little bit about the, the book itself, the, the story, uh, within or anything that, to entice our listeners to hop on over and, and, and make a purchase online perhaps? Of course. And I always, always like to promote independent bookstores. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, you know, if you so choose, please uh, do that on an independent site or go personally <laughs> and walk inside if they're yeah. still doing that. So um, in any event, um, this is not your typical uh, Halloween story. Um, a mischievous little boy runs away from home on Halloween night. He tells a fib that made his sister cry and his mother sends him to his room and he escapes out the window and he uh, runs through the dark forest behind his house into the woods and he comes upon three witches and they see him too and that's where the whirlwind adventure begins um he discovers that he can do extraordinary things, that he's brave, and that grown-ups don't have all the answers. Ugh. And um, of course, we talked about discovering dazzling new words. <laughs> and there's the centerpiece of the story is a riddle. And this book is told in rhyme. And so the rhyming riddle saves the boy from being captured. And of course, Cody's wonderful illustrations add to all that. Um, so it's, a, you know, it's a fun adventure. There's a chase scene. <laughs> and, um, you know, hopefully it's a story you'll come back to again and again. Uh, that's, and, and so we just, obviously we will include all this in the show notes, but Booking Authors Inc, everyone, is Booking Authors INK.com. You, you can purchase the book through your through the website, correct? Yes, I do have a link uh, there through, uh, you know, on about the book Great. that will connect you right to independent booksellers. Independent booksellers is the key. And if you've got one in your town, as I do, uh, you might want to run right, right down there and make the recommendation that they reach out to Linda. We'll include uh, an email to booking authors as well to make the rec recommendation to carry the book. Um, we'll, like I said, that'll, that'll all be in the show notes. I have to ask, so what do you think walking away from this experience? And like I said, I know it was intensely personal, but what do you think was the greatest lesson for you as a writer um, after, after finishing and publishing this book? And are you gonna write a second? Those are my two questions. Wow, great ones too. Um, probably my greatest takeaway from this whole thing of being a writer is that it is so precious um, and special books are you know to be valued and I I think the words 
just, um, I think words are the only, language is the only real thing I think we have left in the world that can yeah. be to totally unique and used in a special way. And um, for me personally, just the courage of being a writer um, is just ex exhilarating and sh sharing it with others mm -hmm. um, does take courage. So. That it does I, take that, but, that thick skin. It does take that thick skin. Right. And so, but I enjoyed that. It was a creative adventure for me. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I want to write another book, actually, probably not a, in the children's genre, but none will be more significant or special than this one. Of course not. And I can't tell you um, what a value you are, obviously, to the to the industry and writers everywhere, but also now to the writing community. You are, you are, which you are now a, a, an active participant of. Um, we need more. I really think like when we talk about, and Rhea and I have spoken to a lot of people in the publishing industry um, at, in every, who are participate in every level of it. And I, I wish, cause we, she and I have been talking a lot more about what writing means to us and what, what books mean to us. And I certainly wish that more people were saying the things that you say, because I truly agree. I think that it's precious. It's, it is the last real, true, honest, direct form of communication. Um, it is how we pass along. You know, this, this book itself is a passage from your husband to your to his nephew through you it is there it is the witches three i wish this was a video cast i wish everybody but it is a truly precious piece of our, our culture that we need to look after and we need to take care of and you are one of the ones taking care of it and i'm always so happy to to talk to you about it and uh and you always say such wonderful things so thank you once again um, for coming back and talking about your book on this podcast. Well, thank you, Joe. It's such a treat to be with you again. And thank you for those kind words. I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you very much. Same. Thank you so much, Linda. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Right Way Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment, and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about RightWay, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services, and sign up for our weekly newsletter, where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 